my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's showtime. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the VHS Strikes Back. I am one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horace. Hey there, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the old video player and go on a nostalgic journey to look at the good and the bad movies of yesteryear. Now, Chris, we did throw out the poll, didn't we? So our theme of the week was Vietnam movies. So what are we going to review this week? Well, Dave, it's actually a testament to our audience, Dave, that we had Full Metal Jacket out there as one of the ones. We had Platoon. Um, and no, they didn't pick either of them absolute blockbusters. They went and picked Mission in Action 2 by Chuck Norris. So um, <laughs> bravo to those people. That's all I can say. And I know Claire uh, through High in the Ring as well. So like, good morning, Vietnam. Good Vietnam yes. movie as well. A little bit different yeah, to the others, you know, but a um, bit more grounded, but a bit of comedy in there as well. I used to have the CD for that. I used to play that album all the time back in the day. So uh, I, I think, you know, one of our executive producers, one of our Patreons, John, I reckon might have had a hand in that as well because he tweeted out, I think Missing in Action 2 was lagging behind a bit and he kind of retweeted it. It's like, guys, come on. Let's help Chuck out. And uh, it, it does seem right. You know, we haven't... Well, I, I thought this, Chris. I thought, you know, one of those major 80s action heroes, those legends, Chuck Norris, we, we've done over 50 episodes and we've not tackled one of his movies yet. So I thought it was only right that we tackle this one. Now, what are your memories of this movie? <laughs> well, I will say, Dave... It's better than fucking Hawk the Slayer. That pile of shit that you maybe watched last week. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Disgrace. Absolute disgrace. However, I still chuckle at you, my dust. So I, I, can all... I just say, right, I think opinions are divided. I think probably if it was a popularity contest, most people would come down on your side of the fence. But you know what? There's a lot of love out there as well. Old Edgar Wright, you know, and Simon Pegg, they're big fans liked our our retweet you know big hawk the slayer um there was a reference in spaced back in the day uh to hawk the slayer so still i'm maintaining that it is a cult classic even though it's crap <laughs> yeah anyway <laughs> this movie dave is quite interesting because i always tell a story and i've told it on this loads of times the old we used to go to the video shop my granddad my granddad was like ex-army dead like straight lace and strict, you know, like, but we'd go to the video shop and he had a right temper on him, but we would just stand there for enormous amounts of time. And he didn't have a clue about what movie was which. And he was probably like maybe 60 odd at the time. I think he was still working and he's not with us, God rest his soul. But what he used to do is we'd just get him to the point of picking every movie and he'd go, what about this? No, no, it's fine. I mean, Anna's a walkover. We took me Nana. We could get whatever we wanted, you know, but we, he's it, like my granddad, no chance. And we go on and on. And eventually he'd get to the point of the kettle boiling and he would just go, just pick what the fuck you want. And that's where we would do And I've said this loads of times, but that's where we would end up with like these karate films. Now, we got this one, Dave, and I will say Mission in Action 2 was the only karate film that my granddad, who'd served in World War II and was actually in Burma, 
actually enjoyed because it reminded him a little bit of when he was in the war. Now, ridiculous. He actually bought this on video and it was in my nana and granddad's video collection. And my granddad passed away 2004, but my nana's still with her. She's 90 odd. And it was in her collection up to a couple of years ago when she actually finally got rid of a video. So I think he just give it to his charity shop, Dave, which we used to watch it all the time with my granddad. So it was one of them films. Chuck Norris was a bit of a legend when I was growing up watching his movies. However, I'm going to give a disclaimer, Dave. <laughs> We're going in fucking hard on the paint on Chuck on this one. I'm sorry, Dave. And I saw John uh, Hammond has actually got um, Invasion USA, which I've said to you before about, which I yeah. really enjoyed. I've I've seen probably most of Chuck Norris's 80s movies, but um, I'm pretty sure he had the wrong fucking pair of glasses on when I watched them, Dave. <laughs> but anyway, what, what about yourself? Well, well, I think the first thing I'd say is that I think it's a stretch to call this a karate movie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's a little bit at the end. I know, I, I I know old Chuck, he, he is a proper fighter, isn't he? He's got his fifth Dan black belt in whatever it is. And, you know, he, he is a genuine fighter. Uh, but I'll, I'll come back to old Chuck because I, I think I might upset a few people here as well. But I remember this one a lot more than the first one. I think this was the first uh, Chuck Norris film uh, of this, sorry, of this series. So the Missing in Action trilogy. And I just remember watching it. I was, I was watching it on video with the parents, like the first time. Then, of course, once we'd uh, obtained a copy of that, watched it plenty of times after that as well. And to me, it just seemed a lot more gritty than, you know, the other movies that I'd seen at the time. It seemed a lot more real. And I, I find that slightly ridiculous watching it now in 2020. But I, I've got, and, and we will go back and, and uh, look at the first Missing in Action as well. But I've got to tell you, Chris, I've never been convinced by Chuck Norris, right? <laughs> so going back to the first time I, I was made aware of who this chap was, was in Way of the Dragon. So he was, he was the big boss fight at the end, fighting Bruce Lee. But I, 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 I just wasn't gripped by it at all. It just seemed like a mismatch to me. Now, of course, Bruce Lee's more of an actor, you could say Chuck Norris, you know, he's a proper fighter, isn't he? But in terms of cinematic and how it all looks, I, I just don't think he moves particularly well to capture it on camera. You'd probably wipe the floor with most people. But, you know, of those Bruce Lee films, I always remember um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, in, in Game of Death, the basketball player. You know, for me, that was like, oh, shit. You know, that was when you felt like there was some real threat to Bruce Lee. But with, with Chuck Norris, I was never convinced. And and even in these kind of Vietnam-type movies, he, he just was no sliced alone as far as I was concerned. Now, in recent years, he's it, become a, a bit of a parody of himself, hasn't he? So, you know, I, I'm sure I said on this podcast the other week that um, uh, Chuck Norris got coronavirus and then coronavirus spent 14 days self-isolating. <laughs> you know, you get all these kind of memes. Yeah. And then I don't know, have you seen that one where... Um, uh, where Jean Claude Van Damme's doing the splits on like two yeah. two buses or something, and then uh, Chuck Norris does one on two planes with a bunch of people stood on his head. You know, he's just he's great to make fun of. You know, about how nails he is and whatever. But I'm just never convinced. And I tell you what, Chris, I I remember this quite well. Think of it quite fondly. And and there's certain scenes that we'll talk about that I absolutely did remember, like quite vividly from the time but oh, it, it doesn't hold up for me this one 
you know, putting my cards a little bit on the table. I mean, what what do you reckon, Chris? What do you reckon to the old Chuck Norris enigma? Um, I'm with you, Dave. I've watched all his movies growing up. We used to always put them on. Most of the time, it sounds daft, but my granddad would hate it the dub subtitles or you know the dub voices and that so we ended up getting chuck norris martial arts films just for that reason more than anything mm-hmm. and i remember invasion usa i can remember it so well and I, I always i've said it on this podcast i joke about and i found the scene that I was talking about in one of the movies where he's a bad guy but something i think something like streets of san francisco or the, the, the whatever it is something san francisco and he's got bleach blonde hair and this guy's walking down the beach with his girlfriend and it's a massive beach like Miami Beach and he doesn't see that he's going to get surrounded by 10 blokes who just appear from nowhere. Uh, and um, it's the worst fighting you've ever seen. Some guy just hits the deck without him being punched and that is really bad. It's like kids playing at a fucking nursery or something. But he, as a martial artist, he's a world-class uh, karate champion. He was a world champion. Now, people used to say to him, who would win in a fight, you or Bruce Lee? And Bruce Lee were great friends. Bruce Lee used to train like Steve McQueen, James Corbin. Uh, they were all at his funeral. Uh, so did um, Chuck Norris. The reason he's got into acting was because of Steve McQueen, because Steve McQueen used to train martial arts of him. And what I find difficult when I watch Chuck Norris is he is probably the most legit martial artist that we've seen any movie. I mean, Steven Seagal, Aikido, is a waste of fucking time. If you watch his demonstrations, absolutely disgrace. They call it um, bullshido, um, or like where basically somebody, you know, you've seen these martial artists where a guy will then use the chi and he'll knock five people over by just touching with yeah. a finger or he does like some force field like he's a fucking street fighter like Ken and Ryu. <laughs> and um, there's loads of bulls, they call it bullshido. And, and, there's loads of shit like that, but but Chuck Norris is a legit karate champion. So what I find difficult when I watch his movies is he's pulling his punches because he's never really done fight choreography in a lot of his early stuff. So it's difficult for him not fucking knock somebody out or give him a crack on the head or yeah. something. When he was in the US Army, um, he was in the US Army police and stuff, you know, air policeman for like four or five years. He, he wanted to be a copper. He, he wanted to come out and do all sorts. He's a, he's a genuinely tough guy. Now, there is a video when he... Cause, the, the thing is, right, I, I'm not an expert and I've, I don't profess to be. And these people out there who've done MMA, and I always say this, I've done a bit of MMA, MMA. I'm a massive fan. I grew up thinking karate was nails. You've done it. We always talk about this. And karate, in most street fights, Dave, most karate, if you're against someone who's tough, you're going to lose because you can do a kick, but you've got nothing, no defense for your chin, whatever. It's all down the middle with karate. It's great in tournaments, taekwondo and everything. You've done it all brilliant because it's a, a controlled environment. And in an MMA, in a proper fight on the street, it's a waste of time. You never see anyone doing a fucking Van Damme roundhouse or anything like that. I've never seen one yet in a pub or wherever. And I've been in plenty of pubs, as you have. But genuinely, he was doing his karate stuff and doing a seminar. And the Graces who created Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu are in there. And it's on YouTube. It's readily available. And Chuck Norris gets choked out, Dave. And this was like the enigma. And they didn't do it to disrespect him, but he said he wanted to feel what it was like jiu-jitsu because it come over from Brazil and everyone mm-hmm. was like, what the fuck? So this was in like the 80s. And all his students are there and he's like a fifth, sixth damn Chuck Norris. He's always had karate studios. And the guy who he fights, I think it's uh, Heon Gracie, gets him and chokes him out completely. And from that moment on, Chuck Norris learn Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's actually, I think he's a fifth down Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He got it a couple of years ago because he's 80 this year. He was like 78, 79, Dave. And he said it was one of the most humbling experiences ever. So getting back to what you're saying is, 
he's fucking hard as fuck, right? <laughs> so pretty much, despite was about karate. However, on screen, it looks like he looks more of a ballerina than fucking Van Damme does because he hasn't got that like cinematic feel to his kicks and punches. It just looks too like he's trying to miss because he knows he's going to knock somebody out. I don't know whether that makes sense, what I've just said, but it always looks really weird when I'm watching him in these films. Yeah, it just, for me, it just doesn't work as well on camera. And and like I say, I'm not disputing the fact that he's not hard as nails, you know, and he'll probably, if he gets wind of this podcast, will probably reach through the internet and choke us out. So... <laughs> 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 so I'm not disputing that that he is rock hard, but um, yeah, I just, I just don't think it looks as good. And you know, it's it's no snake in the monkey's shadow. This I tell you, no. And, and also, Dave, if he's not going to use his martial arts, which is obviously his strength, he's fucked when he's got a lax because he's acting he's atrocious Jesus in this. Christ. I'm sure we're oh I'm sure we'll God. get into that. But my God, he's yeah he's never done any fight choreography really or uh or acting lessons it seems <laughs> i don't think i think when steve mcqueen said Can you get into films with your acting he just probably went straight into the movies <laughs> it's atrocious fucking atrocious no, i gotta tell you chris so this did okay at the box office you know budget of about two and a half million uh made 10 million at the box office but did you know this was a bit of a like Back to the Future 2 and 3 sort of thing? So they filmed Missing in Action and Missing in Action 2 back to back. And this wasn't intended to be a prequel, you know, because this is Missing in Action 2, the beginning. This was supposed to be the first of the trilogy. But as they were filming them, I think they figured out, hang about, the first, the second part to it is better than the first part. So they ended up releasing what should have been Missing in Action 2 as the first one. And then Missing in Action 2 just became the first part, you know, the prequel. So I thought that was quite interesting. It's a little bit um, uh, Superman 1 and 2 as well, isn't it? Only they didn't steal bits from the second one, you know, take the bits from two movies and make (laughs) one. So uh, I, I thought that was quite interesting. And Marlon Brando didn't fucking make millions of dollars off the back of it for not even appearing in the second one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But no, you know what? I didn't even know that, Dave. And didn't you say to me before we did the podcast, there's some some sort of link to Rambo? Because this is basically a B-movie Rambo ripoff. John Braddock is just fucking Rambo, isn't he, really? Yeah, so I think I haven't been able to substantiate this, but um, I think they... There was a script, you know, so so scripts in Hollywood bounce around. And so it was an early uh, kind of Rambo script that somehow got into the hands of canon. And I think uh, Chuck Norris was trying to, you know, he, he was signed up to, you know, a Vietnam story. And so they took these couple of scripts and, and basically took uh, did Missing in Action 1 and 2. But it, it was basically directly... Um, taken from an early script of Rambo. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it's, um, but but they rushed it through production so that they could get it out before Rambo and say, ah, well, well, we did this first. Rambo's a pale imitation of Missing in Action 2. <laughs> or Missing in Action, rather. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. But it's funny how it's evolved because we did First Blood, didn't we? And it was yeah. interesting how, you know, Johnny, he was very much frowned upon, you know, the, the vets and how they were treated in the US. You can see how it's kind of evolved through the 80s and Hollywood 
probably had a lot to do with that now. You know, the vets, are, the guys who work for the military in the US, you know, they're treated quite well, it seems, when they come back, get all kinds of discounts and what have you. But, um, yeah, it, this is where it happened, I think, in the 80s, where, you know, they've gone from not being looked at as the best of society round to okay we'll rewrite history kind of demonize the uh the vietnamese and what they stand for and everything and then you know it it all kind of swung around so just interesting to go back to the movie but also to think about you know what was going on in the world at the time as well yeah it is strange i mean dave come on we've got to do it haven't we Let's get into the trailer. I've got so much to say about this. Let's go. Vietnam, 1984. Chuck Norris frees the Americans, missing in action. Now, the secret of his rage can be revealed. Missing in action two, the beginning. A war he couldn't forget. You're going down! Get ready to jump! The story behind his return. Vietnam, 1972, captured in a savage jungle war. You men are not prisoners of war. You are common criminals. Imprisoned and tortured. He's not dead! God, help! Chuck Norris is a prisoner they couldn't break and a soldier they couldn't hold. Look, our country has forgotten about us and we have to do anything we can to survive. There's one chance for escape. That's our way out. He's breaking out and fighting back. An American hero, his story continues. This is for me. Chuck Norris, missing in action two. The beginning. Now we start off, Chris, with um, a, a shot of Ronald Reagan and the fact that you know we've got loads of American POWs that are still left in uh, Vietnam, but then we flash back uh, and we get to meet Colonel James Braddock, old Chuck Norris, and his crew, and they're helicopter gets shot down and uh we can see that they're being imprisoned in this vietnamese camp but the the chap uh the vietnamese leader <laughs> uh colonel, <laughs> colonel yin um tells them that they're not war criminals they are just uh common criminals or something or other now chris what do you make to the opening of this one I'll give you full credit, actually, Dave, because your description of this movie and the start of it is miles better than anything I found on Wiki, IMDb, anything. So I've got to say, you need to write that up because that's a great description of the start of the film. Um, It's just pure 80s. You know what it was like doing, Dave, like watching? And I'm a massive fan. I've got like three or four of the original series of the A-Team all the way through. It felt like that. The, The gun sounds at the start. Sam actually fought because we were... Uh, I had it on in my room and she was in the kitchen and she was like, are you watching the A-Team? And I was like, no, because it just felt like the A-Team. You know, that tin machine gunning and and the way everyone's like falling around like in the A-Team, but no one really gets killed or anything. Obviously in this, there is some killing, but but at the start, it's very much the A-Team. It just felt like you're going to 
uh, see George Pepper dressed up as some like swamp thing or dressed up as some old woman going, hello, what, what are you after? I'm after the A-team, you know. And it just, it felt like a TV movie done bad because obviously Chuck gets top billing. This was 85 when he was probably at the biggest of his powers for movies. You know, he was right in the thick of it all. He was a B-movie legend. There's no doubt about that. But mm-hmm. The way it starts, and he's supposed to be him in this helicopter. And like you've said this before, and you call this out, and I think you're right, is they've taken just stock footage of like things blowing up, haven't they? And like different, it's obviously nothing to do with this movie, but someone's just put stuff together where they've got buildings blowing up and little shanty stuff. And then Chuck gets out, or Braddock gets out of the helicopter, his whole crew get out, and we get this little like, that's why it's like the A team, you get this thing, and it shows one of the soldiers, and it's like, one of the guys then he goes, whatever his name is, missing in action. And then the next minute you get the title of him, James Curl, James Braddock. And then he goes up, missing in action. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> now, and this went on for four or five of them, but it's the way his body double falls out the helicopter into the water and the fucking helicopter nearly lands on him and then it pans away very quickly. So, I, honestly, it is, there's no fucking uh, high-level production with this movie at all. No, and I think, uh, you know, I, I, I was struggling a little bit. It's been, it's been a number of years since I've watched this, Chris. Probably, it, I watched it quite a few times back in the 80s, but it probably is back then. I, I don't think I've watched this since. And so I was trying to think, because you could see Ronald Reagan there. And, and you know, like I say, with that stock footage, I was trying to think, when when is this? Because it got shot out of the plane. Uh, sorry, the uh, the helicopter. And then when they were in the war camp, the, their uniforms were, were a bit sort of tatty, but not very. And I was sort of thinking, well, if this is, you know, in the 80s, you know, they pulled out of Vietnam in the 70s. Have they literally been wearing the same thing for 10 years? And it was only as it went on and, you know, you start to read up a bit in and around the, the movies and how they switch them around and stuff that you realize, no, this isn't in the 80s, but that sort of set the scene. And then, you know, we've, we're flashing back. So this is, you know, not long after they've been um, shot down. But yeah, I, I didn't, it, it was only through thinking about it, you know, and I, 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 unless I blinked and missed some kind of like 10 years earlier kind of message on the screen. Um, but yeah, and I guess, you know, they, God, talk about, your Vietnamese Asian stereotypes. I mean, Colonel Yin is a proper see you next Tuesday, isn't he? I mean, quite what his motivation is, I don't really know, you know, but he seems to... I've just found the line, actually. He says, you men are not prisoners of war. You are common criminals. So in other words, you know, oh, yeah, and old Chuck is like... Uh, this is not this is not in accordance with the Geneva Convention. You know, the Geneva Convention gets <laughs> mentioned over and over again. And it's just <sighs> straight away, I, uh, after that little scene, I'm like, ah, none of this is going to be believable, is it? And I know I don't mean about the action and everything, but just like the motivation. So why has Colonel Yin got such a hard on for, for James Braddock to admit war crimes? You know, I, it, it makes no sense that he would be so passionate about that. And also the fact that, you know, old James Braddock there, rather than just say, right, you know, we're uh, war criminals, whatever. Can you send us off home now? <laughs> you know? They'd sooner have that line, which is like, no, 
I'd sooner my kids uh, <laughs> knew that I wasn't a coward, you know, and it was just like, oh, God, Chris, this is bollocks. Yeah, it is. I'm glad you call that out because genuinely, the, the fact that there's all these other prisoners there, or they're supposed to be like 30 odd of him, and Braddock decides to not be, be a stubborn bastard. He's put all his fucking, you know, troop and, and uh, squad under this immense fucking pressure. They've been prisoners of war for so long. They're absolutely filthy and minging. And like you say, what the fuck Yin's motives are? Does he think that by a colonel in the US Army admitting war crimes, that that's going to make fucking Vietnam win that war? Do you know what I mean? It was just the plot and the idea behind it was ridiculous because there was no... You know, you were saying about like the first one and the second one was supposed to be prequels and things like that. Mm -hmm. If there was some sort of backstory to where we are, but this is obviously a prequel, so it doesn't make any sense continuity-wise with the first one. If we had like missing in action and he just absolutely destroyed Vietnam, then all right, fair enough. And Yin was on the wrong end of, say, his family or somebody getting taken out and he was the only survivor, then fair enough. But it just is nonsense. And and you're right. The fact he's like, we need you to confess your wife is getting married. <laughs> and he's like, how is he going to be bothered about that, right? Then he, what? Well, what I hope fine... she'll be really happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how I hope she's fuck? happy getting nailed by that dude while I'm stuck in this shithole. But I ain't signing <laughs> that piece of paper because I'm a patriot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a cock. And I'll tell you what's funny though, Dave. How did Yin intercept fucking Braddock's personal letter from his wife? I, Where uh, did that go? Well, I, I Where did that turn up from? I thought, you know, these missing POWs just had a postal address. Because I was thinking that. I was thinking, <laughs> how have you got hold of this letter to James Braddock? <laughs> Letting him know that yeah. you're going to get remarried. What yeah, exactly. I was genuinely perplexed <laughs> by that. <laughs> it's like to, to James, Colonel James Braddock, care of the Vietnam fucking jungle um, to see what you can do. <laughs> it was fucking nonsense. It made no logical sense. I was pissing myself when I read that. I'm thinking, I actually paused it and I was thinking, hang on. Let me get my head around this. So a letter's arrived from his wife. She doesn't know where he is. There's no, like, army there because they've already pulled out there is a, a pow people like trying to find certain like missing soldiers and stuff and obviously we get that the, it makes the, the leaps for that are fucking nonsense but dave fucking brilliant to talk about because it was dying <laughs> to speak to you about it i was like have i missed something here it's just non. it's like you writing a letter to me and just putting chris phelps and that's it. And then England. someone's got to go, hang on a sec. Yeah, England, hang on a sec. I bet. And, or like our good friend Tony, you know, putting it in the post box, Tony Farina, somewhere in America. You know a what I mean? AKA like, Florida man. You know, Florida, <laughs> anything you can do. Just, if you can get it there, that would be great. And then all of a sudden, someone turns up at Tony's house and goes, I got this letter from Chris, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to fucking burn it. You'd be like, there's no way that's it. Even a fucking uh, letter in a bottle wouldn't get fucking where Braddock was. He was nonsense. <laughs> but like fucking say, nonsense. He takes it like a champ, doesn't he? He's like, yeah, I hope she's happy. Like, really? Really? <laughs> You're still going to say that shit all and be tortured? And uh, oh, But I tell you what, Chris, I mean, I, I do remember certain highlights out of this movie. And I think the first one, that I remember is where they're kind of playing about with one of the POWs. And 
actually, before I go on to that particular scene, I've got to say, first hour of this movie is bloody slow. Just yeah. I, nothing really happens. Nothing really moves forward in terms of the plot. You just it's just gratuitous torture of the POWs. But um, when he he drags the guy up to the tree. And he thinks he's going to uh, shoot him through the head. And then he does it like a couple of times. And then it's all fake. It's all a big fake out. I do remember that quite vividly. And obviously what happens later as well. So that, I wouldn't say it made a big impression on, like, on me and my life. But it, it just, I remember that and thinking, you know, Christ, can you imagine being in that position? So I thought, you know, individual scenes out of this, I do think stand up on their own. You know, but they yeah. they they don't make they don't all join up in a daisy chain fashion to make a really good movie. No, I think you're right. You know what, Dave? I I agree with that. I don't think the acting is horrendous from the supporting cast. It's more Chuck Norris is just terrible. You know, he's just pouting and and looking at the screen like looking like a psycho and all this. You know, like he is. Some of the some of his supporting guys are not too bad, and I, and I think. It's standard, you know, it's standard, like, 80s sort of action movie fare. Obviously, I like to say, there's not a lot of martial arts, but if you go off the martial arts template, it's pretty much what we see in most movies, just different settings. The one thing you're saying about things that will always stand in my mind forever with this film is the rat in the bag. Yeah. So he puts, he says, like, one of his, the soldiers is going to get killed, one of his comrades, and he says, look, um, I'm in charge, I'm the leading officer, I should take it, and... I've read up on this, Dave, and it's fucking minging. That is actually a dead rat in his mouth, yeah. a real dead rat. And he—it's he, <laughs> it, fake blood, but they used. And he, and Chuck Norris, and I'm quoting him here, actually says, um, "I could actually taste a mountain rat." And I kept thinking, "I'm going to get the bubonic plague." But he actually said um, that he was just young and stupid, thinking, yeah. "Just get," a, you know, trying to be hard. Now, Dave. I'm going to take back what I said about him. He'll kick the fucking living shit out of me, even at 80. If he's prepared to put a rat in his mouth, that is fucking unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, old Ozzy Osbourne had a bit of notoriety with biting the bat's head off, didn't he? He thought it was a fake one. Whereas, you know, uh, at least old Chuck thought it was, uh, he knew it was real. And, um, yeah, can you imagine anyone else doing that? There's not many people, no. not many actors, certainly nowadays, who say, "Ah, oh, fuck it, you know, everyone's here. Let, let's just go ahead with it. I'll, I'll stick this thing in my gob." Oh, it's fucking horrible. Isn't That's it? minging. I think the closest we've got on anything we reviewed is the horse's head in The Godfather. But yeah. even then, you know, obviously that was real, and they said it was real, but. There's no way they'd allow something like that now, Dave, anyway, would they? be fucking uproar. Um, yeah. It'd be horrendous to even suggest that. But my God, that is taking you, your actual uh, your actual skill level of being an actor to just, oh, fucking hell, it's minging to even think of it. But I always remember that that scene. Of the, the rest of the film is just like play-by-play, play, 80s shit. But that scene always sticks with me. Do you know what I reckon? I always found it weird, and I'd forgotten about it, but the way it ends so abruptly because you know you're sort of thrashing about and stuff and then you you get a little shot with the rat in the mouth and then that's it, it sort of fades to black like really quickly yeah and I, it just goes to the next scene doesn't it yeah and, and i just think you know surely they warranted some kind of reaction shot of some of the soldiers or maybe some of the vietnamese i, I just thought it was weird like for such an iconic scene it was just like right that's it you've Add your lot, and it finished it. I don't know. It, it just just felt to me like there was something extra. 
that that it needed, like say a reaction shot or something. Yeah, I agree, and and I think as well is like you you always say about the placeholder stuff and the placing things down, and we get this. Um, this, I don't know, he's Italian or Mexican guy comes who's the helicopter pilot, and he's he obviously I think he's French, isn't he? So, so oh, is he obviously, there's a lot of historical ties with France. They were there before the the Americans. Um, ah, right. And it's when they pulled out, which is why um, the, the Americans ended up getting pulled in. Obviously, grossly oversimplifying that, but yeah. So he's supposed to be French, but his fucking accent didn't tell you that. No, <laughs> I thought I thought he was fucking someone else. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. Francois he, probably gives him away as the name as well. But that could be a very good point, that David. Yeah, it could be a good point. You don't um, get many but... Spanish and Italian Francois. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Dave. Right, anyway, um, he gets introduced, and you're thinking, well, there's obviously the way out. And then it's the way that there's this conflict between him and Yin. They're obviously doing drugs and opium stuff. And that's where he keeps saying to him, are you going to kill the Americans? It's like a cat and mouse thing, isn't it, with Yin? And and obviously we've got the um, the other guys, it, Captain uh, Dave Nestor. He's the one who's in his right-hand man. He's, he's switched yeah, sides, hasn't he? But I didn't... Again, I, I possibly should have gone back and watched it a second time, but once was enough. This was a struggle to get through, if I'm honest, Chris. But I didn't quite get, you know, why he said, like, you know, he's seen his wife and kids. So how did he, like, get back home to see them? But now he's back at the camp. I, I didn't see that. Or, you know, is he just metaphorically speaking about seeing his wife and kids? Or were they um, in Vietnam? Or... I, no, I think I think what he was no, sorry, sorry to cut across you. I think what he was saying was the guy, the little guy with the, the black hair, yeah, yeah, he had a kid while he was in the army, but never seen it. Yeah. Whereas the other guy that must be these kids must be older. They must have been able to see him before he went to war. I think that's uh, that's how I spoke. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so he just done the story. old switcheroo, he'd he'd done whatever um Yin wants Colonel Yin wanted, and then you know he thinks he's going to survive to to see them again. Okay, yeah, that, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's not very often that you can say that about my um, <laughs> rambling Steve, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris, we actually do get a bit of a throwdown. So the first proper bit of in, in inverted commas martial arts action or fighting, I guess we get is between James Braddock and and the captain David Nestor. And so, you know, he looks pretty ripped, old uh, Steve Williams there in that shot. But, I, I mean, what did you make of that fight scene? Shit. Yeah. Now, I, 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 <laughs> what I found interesting is we know Chuck Norris is an out-and-out brawl. He's an out-and-out karate master. We've talked about it before. He tries his hardest not to look tough. You know, we said about like we, we did no shit, no surrender, and Jason, the lead guy, he's there um, trying to pretend that he's shit. And you said it the other week when we were like, you know, how we were watching, you said the same. Like, you can just tell when someone's trying to like pull the punches or trying yeah. to act like they don't know what they're doing. Well, this was Chuck Norris doing not Chuck Norris to a hundred. And the guy who he fought was just, like I say, ripped up. So he's like the, the grass and he's a bit of a weasel. He's, he's got in there with Yin. Um, he's trying to say to him, just, you know, admit the, the crimes and I'll, um, you know, we'll go leave and stuff. And they're like giving him shit. So like, you know, that's when the line come up of, as you just said about his kid and every, that guy's kid, at least we've seen your kid and stuff. Yeah. But he, 
as a bit of a tear up, but obviously Braddock doesn't want to fight him. Obviously, in a normal situation, you can clearly see Braddock would just kick the shit out of him. And now you can see in this movie, Dave, whether he just started doing it, he is doing little bits of jiu-jitsu, especially at the end when he fights Yin, uh, Braddock. So whether that's moved over from what I said earlier with him learning um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but Dave, the fucking kicks, uh, not the, just the kicks, the punches, everything. When, when Braddock's hitting people, he like hitting them so you can see the back of them to the screen. So you can clearly see he's nowhere near them when he cracks them. It's just terrible. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he does he does come out on top in the end, doesn't he? Takes a little bit of a beat in there. You've got that big bloke. You know, he looks like he looks like odd job or something, doesn't he? Big, massive yeah. Vietnamese guard. And he's putting the boot in as well. But uh, I think James Braddock gets his point across, I think, that, you know, he's not, he's not going to be any kind of pushover. Now, Chris. <laughs> I, love, I love the side, eh? Yeah. So, so old, uh, so Frankie, right, is, uh, you know, he's the guy who quite early on, they said to him, uh, you know, have you got malaria again? <laughs> you know? So yeah. he, he, he seems to be coming off a, a little bit worse for wear. And, uh, you know, he's the one that he ends up, I guess this is where Yin finally breaks him down. Oh, oh actually, no, no, we get the Australian guy before him, don't we? Yeah, the, the the Aussie with an English accent. I couldn't work out whether he was an Aussie being English or an English guy being an Aussie. Um, and he just turns... What makes you laugh with that, Dave? He just turns up in a fucking field where they're working. <laughs> no, he's got no rucksack. He's got no... like. They're obviously miles away from any fucking town or city. And he turns up like he's just fucking got out of a car or something. He's not got an yeah. ounce of mud on him or anything. He's fucking bullshit. <laughs> There's no zoom on his camera or anything. He's literally no. about 20 yards away from the camp. So yeah. understandably gets caught. And he, he tries to put on this whole bravado act that he's part of um, this wider group. And if he doesn't ring back, you know, they'll, they'll come looking for him and puts on the British accent for some reason um but it turns out he's australian i don't know why british would be better than australian in this context but you know he just does so i don't think i don't think yin is buying it at any point but you know he seems to he seems to be getting away with it so they put him in with the um put him in with the pow's and then you know they're getting all excited we're going home we're going home but then uh, it's when old francois turns up isn't it and then he knows who he is. And then they drag him off to the tree, Chris. Yeah. And we'd had the thing about the fake bullets and he even gets shouted at, doesn't he? Uh, by uh, Mazzilli. He says to him, doesn't he? Uh, Don't worry, it's fake bullets. And it's not. But I'll tell you now, Dave, I've never seen somebody get shot in the head and actually be able to turn and look at people the way <laughs> <Yeah>. he did. <laughs> that was ridiculous. No blood as well. There was no blood. It was well, he had some non- sort of like little explosive on the side of his head, didn't he? I, I honestly, Chris, and and I know, I know exactly the same thing. I'm like, why are you looking around? <laughs> you know, it's like doing a proper, like over the top theatrical uh, dying act, dying swan act. But I remember Chris watching that for the first time, and it was like, holy shit! I I couldn't believe it. I was I was just like fuck and that is one of the bits that i remember from this as well you know he's got a lousy sense of humor and um yeah i 
I know what you're saying. It's not a perfect scene, but absolutely iconic for me. I, that is one I remember really quite vividly. I've got to say, though, Dave, the inconsistencies, and you're right, just going off this bullet that's killed this guy. Have you ever seen a movie where people are throwing grenades next to them, and if it's not within three feet, they survive and don't even flinch? And when they throw it at each other, it's just next to them, and, and they don't even like doing 18 jump or anything. The fucking grenades are thrown around in this movie <laughs> willy nilly, and nobody. They're in a bunker at one point, Chuck Norris and everything, and they don't even flinch when this fucking grenade goes off, as does Yid. He gets some thrown at him other than at the end and doesn't even move. And I'm just like, these are the shittiest fucking weapons I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, we don't see. I mean, we're, we're labouring a bit, aren't we, Chris, through the plot here? You know why? Because fucking nothing really happens that much in the first hour of the movie. It goes fucking ages before anything really happens. But the bit I was I was going to talk to before, but I, I kind of forgot about the Aussie guy who got um, sort of offed in the, in the tree. With Yin's, uh, you know, desire to, like, torture people, it was a bit weird that he just offed him straight away. I thought the, the angle of the shot, on, on, on both times, so when it was the fake out, when he didn't actually shoot him, and when he shot the Aussie, was a bit weird, because basically they had one bloke on one shoulder and the gunman on the other shoulder. So he'd have thought if he yeah. shot him through the head, he's going to take out his own guy as well. But um, yeah, it was um, it, it was the other, other guy. It was uh, Frankie. So the guy who'd had malaria, you know, he's coming down badly with the malaria again. And so this is the thing that finally breaks Colonel James Braddock. So, you know, Yin sort of pretends that he's going to give him some, uh, you know, he's going to give him some anti-malarials or something. I, I didn't pick up what it actually was, but actually it's just a massive dose of opium. But before you find out it's opium, it's like the music and everything sounds quite upbeat. It's like, ah, they're going home. It's like mash, you know. So I... I Again, I'd kind of half remembered this bit, and it's obviously it's in the trailer as well, isn't it? So, you know, they drag him off, drag off old Frankie, and he's high as a kite, but, you know, they pour petrol over him and whatever and set him on fire. And it's this bit, Chris. So if you are going to fucking claim that you're an actor, surely you've seen one of your guys, so you've been a fucking stubborn bastard about signing this piece of paper that means fuck all in the grand scheme of things. But you have just killed James Braddock. You have just killed Frankie Sunshine. <laughs> but it's the way he's like, no, he's not dead. <laughs> he's not dead. And it's like, oh, fucking hell, you wooden bastard. Yeah. It was awful acting, Chris. And I just like, oh, surely this is the emotional thing that is going to break here. This is the bit where you're like, you know, like you often say, that Rocky moment, he's at his lowest now. Right, you push me too far, shit's about to go down. So, but it, it just never fucking sold me on that scene, to be honest, Chris. What, what do you no, reckon? I agree. His acting is fucking atrocious. And there was a line by Yin where he's saying about the guy with the malaria and he goes, well, I'll tell you now. 
he can walk from here to Los Angeles and none of that's going to work. I'm thinking if he walks from here to Los Angeles, he's probably going to be dead, mate. Let's be honest. What a ridiculous fucking line in the film. I was like, that makes no fucking sense whatsoever. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) I agree. The dialogue in this movie is just not good, is it? It's just not (laughs) refined. It's not clever. You know, there's no kind of Arnie witty comebacks, you know, stick around or, you know, nothing like that. All, All we get from Colonel Yin is like, you lose. <laughs> you know? yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous. like, yeah, it's, it's poor. It is really. It poor. is. And, and then from this, obviously, we then get the full commando moment, don't we? He has to put a fucking headband on, which was standard practice in the 80s <laughs> if you're going to copy a Rocky movie. But only, and, uh, only from around about now, I think. You know, it was about this mid-80s time. Like I say, we, when we did First Blood, 82, the, the Vietnam explosion, war movie explosion, I don't think had quite happened yet, had it? It was only around no. this time where, you know, the headband, you know, with like Rambo and Chuck Norris here in Missing in Action, that's when it became, you know, part of the Vietnam vet uniform. Yeah, it did. And and you're right. And, and Dave, my God, he goes on this one man army where you're sort of thinking you've been here for years, you fucker. Why have you not done this before? Goes on an absolute rampage, taking, stealing, like, weapons and everything. But I've got to say, it's so shit. It really is just a poor man's Rambo at this point. It's fucking rubbish, Dave. Honestly, the the, the way he goes through, like, the, the jungle and he's getting chased by that. Makes me laugh. There's a bit where he jumps under, like, a bush when one of the, the captains is chasing one of Yin's captains. And he's chasing him and he's right above him. And all of a sudden, he's got, like, a leech on his fingers, two leeches, it pads back to him about five seconds later. His whole body's He's covered swarmed, in swarmed, isn't he? <laughs> it's fucking nonsense. They're the <laughs> slowest fucking things ever. You know, it's just like they would not be on his body. But again, when he's fighting with the gun and he's got the old uh, Uzi there and them guys are shooting at him and they're shooting at him and he ducks out of the way. But then he's looking at like um, Mazzilli, who's gone over the side, and he on like the rope trying to climb down and, yeah. and he's put it around a tree. And he just looks up and then sits up. But it's like two seconds earlier, he was having to lay down because they were going to kill him. But they're shooting at him and there's no bullets going past him. Then he shoots the tree to kill one of the soldiers. And I'm pissing myself. I was like, holy fuck, this is fucking terrible. Even Chuck Norris' smolder, which he does to the screen a hell of a lot in this, is rubbish, Dave. It looks like he's having a fucking shit. It looks terrible. Yeah. And and no one puts up any kind of decent fight, do they? You know, again, it's all just revisionist history kind of thing, and and they're all pretty much, you know, taken out pretty easily. Uh, you have one of the, he must be like, you know, one of the Vietnamese prisoners. You know, he helps him out quite a lot. He'd he'd been quite friendly all the way through the movie, hadn't he? He'd, he'd brought yeah. one of the guys a worm very early on, you know, and sort of guy sticks it in his hat and. You know, so he starts scrapping with one of the other prisoners to create a diversion. And again, I'm thinking, well, all right, because the camera's close up to Chuck Norris, right? You can sort of see he's he's kind of hidden from the camera. But if you were any one of the Vietnamese patrolmen, it'd be so fucking easy to spot. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was fucking headband or whatever. It's like it's almost Chris to like Batman sixty six when you know when. 
uh, Batman's head. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah where Batman, he's yeah, crouched yeah, yeah. right down there, and the camera can't <laughs> see him, but like you know, you get Batman stood right next to him, and then it's like, oh, there he is. It was the other way around, wasn't it? It was Batman who. Was yeah, it was Batman thing. who. Yeah, it, it was almost like that. No, I, I think you're right, David. What What's interesting with with the way all this goes is he's in pretty much plain sight, fucking Colonel Braddock, but they just can't see him, and, and the way he goes through the whole fucking like platoon of bad guys. Is terrible. They're almost like the Keystone Cops. The, the, the best bit, right, of the whole action is when he's crawling across the fucking wooden bridge, right, above like the fucking river. And he's there, and there's one slap missing, and he sees one of the soldiers coming towards him, and he's looking at him like, oh shit. And I'm thinking, well, that soldier's going to fucking see him. He's in his line of sight now. He's going to see yeah. some guy yeah. flick through the <laughs> hole and then hold himself up. But, but no, he doesn't. And I'm just like, what what amazes me, Dave, as we do these movies, and I know like it's never going to win an Oscar. It's it's what it's about, the budget, everything else. I mean, the budget's two point four million, so it's not fucking, you know, it's basically everything's just practical. Everything they can do, they can fudge Nick stuff. They probably have for this. But I always think about like the director and the writers and the producers when they're watching this at the end. What the fuck must they think? Must they think like we've nailed this? Because I know you can get engrossed in your own projects and you can be quite blinded by something because you've, you've spent so much time and effort trying to produce something, whatever it is, a podcast like us or anything. I just don't get it because you can click this film is fucking shit. Despite it being made as a B movie, it's fucking terrible. And, and I don't get it. I really don't understand. I, I guess it's difficult, isn't it? So, you know, we're, we're reviewing this stuff, you know, 35 years on from when it was, you know, first released. I, I imagine they they must have thought. Well, actually, they so they didn't think it was good enough to open up as the first one of the trilogy. Um, and I yeah. think they only had two. You know, so they just tagged the the last one at the end to try and make money. I don't think it particularly joined up with the first two. So they must have thought it was pretty good. And like I say, even watching this back, I I watched it lots of times. You know, so I thought it was good. And I guess it's just, you know, we get a bit, we've moved on in time, haven't we? We're a bit older, a bit more cynical, a few more grey hairs, a bit fatter in my case. Um, you know, so <laughs> I, I think... Oh, no, lockdown's yeah. doing me good, Dave. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's disappointing just how this hasn't stacked up with how I remembered it at all. Like, I just think it's... Yeah, I, I fully expected I was going to really enjoy this because I'm not, I'm not watching it for you know Oscar-winning performances or plot twists or anything yeah. like that. I'm just expecting some fucking really good, hyper-masculine action scenes, shit blowing up, some proper fighting and stuff. That's all I'm after. But I think this yeah. falls short, even with such low expectations as that. It does. I mean, just before we give our scores, Dave, we've got to talk about the end fight. So Braddock's gone round and decimated everybody. He's got a couple of his guys, Mazzilli and one of the other guys has come, and they're like a three-man team, aren't they? And they, and they like they surround Yin's fucking bunker, basically um, bunker. He's bloody hot, and they all throw these ridiculous grenades again, which all three of them would be fucking dead. I mean, that Mazzilli throws one about five feet away. And it blows up the cabin that and the hut that he's in, Yin. And they think Yin's dead, don't they? And Mazzilli gets in the helicopter and goes. And I'm thinking, 
he's not dead. And the next minute, as the helicopters go in, we get like a manhole like hidden bunker comes up and you're thinking he's definitely not dead. And as Yin's about to get away, we just turn around, don't we? And we've got fucking Braddock there. You didn't think I'd leave without making sure you were dead. And I'm like, Oh, oh I had that line written down. I was going to, again, it's like <laughs> someone writing that's thinking, Oh yeah, what a great line this is. And I just thought, no, this is not anywhere near, you know, the quality of like an Arnie one liner or, or, you know, a Rambo one-liner. It, it was poor for me. And I tell you what, Chris, you know, I talk about it being unbelievable. Well, there's nothing that's good protection against about 20 grenades flying in like a bamboo trapdoor. <laughs> <laughs> Which has nothing underneath it because it's built on stilts. Exactly. So where that was going, I do not know. I don't know if you're waiting a, a drain. Maybe there was a drain there that we didn't see. But yeah, I agree, Dave. It's fucking... Because it goes up like a Christmas tree, doesn't it? It goes up like a fucking A-team special there yeah. and it blows stuff up. It's absolutely fast. But I've got to say, right, you know, we always talked about like the um, stereotyping of Asian characters in these movies. Just basically anybody who's Asian was a karate expert. Look at <laughs> Pat Moriarty, Mar- uh, fucking in Karate Kid, Marito, what he's called. <laughs> he didn't know yeah, fucking yeah. martial arts. He didn't know fucking martial arts, and you can clearly see he does this weird, like the the chop thing. You know, when we were kids, you used to go like, oh, chop like that, and you'd do the Hong Kong Fury chop or whatever. <laughs> it was all stereotyping and completely wrong, and that isn't how you would fight anyway. The chop does fuck all right, <laughs> but it's when it, he's there eyeing him up, and Norris is there, isn't he, Braddock, and he's being a bit cocky, and he's like, mm-hmm. and that that Yin's going no weapons, and he puts a weapon down, throws it in this bin. It's fucking Yin's stance. As soon as he did this stance, I was thinking, we'd seen him that go for the big guy earlier on, the big um, one who looked like Odjo. They'd gone for him and give him a little few kicks. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this guy's never done martial arts <laughs> at all. And he does a little inside teep kick, sort of tie boxing kick right, Dave, to fucking Chuck Norris. And oh my God, I, I had to rewind it. I was like, that is the worst kick. And you can clearly see... He doesn't even hit him. And and Chuck Norris has got these weird like bandages on his feet, and because he's not got shoes on. And he's just doing all these weird, like, like almost like Van Damme kicks, you know, like the sort of to the camera where he's got his head with one and then he kicks with the other, or he, he puts his head across his chest and then gives him a few little cracks with his toenails. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. This fight goes on for ages, and he, he goes, I'm gonna make you feel the pain of whatever he's felt, all these people, and like, this is fucking shit. It's absolutely terrible. Yeah, but you know, you can imagine people in the cinema, you know, your proper Republican patriots, like when they're watching this. You know, the pictures with their popcorn, they're punching the air and say, yeah, get him, get him. <laughs> it's just, I, I agree. For the big boss fight at the end, it was just crap. And I, I still, yeah. I was just at this point, I'm scratching my head and I'm like, what are you even getting out of this? You know, Yin, what, what, you've wanted him to sign this bit of paper to say he's a war criminal, but <laughs> what are you getting out of it? It, it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> what about though, David? You're right. What about when the fighting and you think that Braddock is going to rip his heart out, but he looks he, he tweaks his nipple, <laughs> doesn't he? At the end, he gives him a purple nipple. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he sees him about 10 punches to the face. The blood, the blood continuity is not right anyway, but he ends up with like blood streaming down through both nostrils. But then the way he, 
he does that at the end with the like he's supposed to be his heart, I think, under his rib cage, but it just looked like he just grabbed his nipple and gone, oh, I can play like that. It was just ridiculous. And then he blows it up, don't he? I mean, there's no way Yim would have been staying in that fucking hut. Not a chance. And he blows it up. You know, it's already been blown up once by three grenades. He then blows it up a second time. He's actually had time while Yin's been in the bunker to put proper semtex down around it without us even seeing Dave off camera. Now that is unbelievable. Yeah. That's proper ninja. <laughs> It's fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, I do like to pull out a, an IMDB quote, even if I just read it offline, Chris, just see what other people are, are looking at this. And, you know, I can see one here. It's got um, Missing in Action 2, the beginning, is the most personal mission of all. And this chap gives it 9 out of 10. Then we've got a 6 out of 10, 8 out of 10, 6 out of 10, 10 out of 10. This is there's still a lot of love for this movie, and I I did have high expectations for this, but um yeah I mean we'll we'll go into our final review in a second I guess, but just showing my hand it it's just not stood up for me at all. No, and and I think as well what's been a bit of a revelation is I've not watched the Chuck Norris movie for ages, and he's fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. He really is terrible, and that's I know I'm going to get loads of stick for this because I know I'm usually a bad guy, but. It's not what I remember, Dave, at all. I always remember him being as good as, or even better than Van Damme and stuff, you know, like just being that the, the all-action American hero, and it's terrible. I mean, he must be late 40s now. He's 80 now, so he, he would have been one of 35. Yeah, he would have been 45 when he filmed this. He's 80. So it's like, you can see that as well, like he's 45 in a lot of stuff that he does. I'm not saying he couldn't do a kick or stuff like that, but I just don't think he fits. And at times, Dave, I'll be honest with you, there's a bit at the end when he talks and, you know, he reminded me of with his beard and let's see the last bit of dialogue. It was a cross between Noel Edmonds and fucking uh, Joey the Lips off the commitments from a few weeks ago when he was talking. I was pissing myself. Hey, if he was Joey the Lips, he'd have been banging those prostitutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What about the guy, though? The fucking guy who they get held up and the big um, Asian soldiers are laughing at that guy who's got no yeah. clothes on and then prostitutes are there looking at you. What good what, time? What was the, like, oh, my God, what, this is terrible. Again, what was the point in that? What was the point in that whole scene? I don't know. They're making him basically say that he was fucking not well endowed, but I don't think I would be when you've probably not had a wash for 10 years and you've got no clothes on, Dave, in the middle of a, de- a jungle. It's I not don't know. I, I sort of saw it a different way. Ridiculous. I saw it that, you know, he's probably been stuck there for about 10 years and hasn't seen a woman in that time, so probably had a raging stalk on. <laughs> well, he could have been. He could have been like American Pie. He'd probably yeah. like, oh, oh God. <laughs> but on that, on that highbrow note, Chris, should we go into our final review? <laughs> Let's go. Now, Chris, I, I'll probably go first on this one, I guess. I'm sure you went first on the Hawk the Slayer, that masterpiece that we covered last week. And I will say that, yeah, yeah I, I, it just did not stand up for me at all. I am pretty sure we are going to get plenty of stick for this one. A bit like the Top Gun, where we kind of hated on that. But this just does not stand up at all. And I apologize, John, because I know John <laughs> obviously likes this one, but... For me, it just didn't stand up at all. Now, unlike yourself, Chris, I was, I've was i never been convinced by Chuck Norris, but I think there's something that's been gnawing away at my, my psyche 
where I've kind of believed all of the hype. And I, I just, I don't get what the fascination is with Chuck Norris, even from seeing Way of the Dragon when he was fighting Bruce Lee and seeing him through various films. I've just never been convinced about anything about how his fights look or, you know, I didn't particularly care about his acting when I was younger. But yeah, it was more about just him as an action hero. And I just don't think he stands up to the other A-listers around that time. You know, he doesn't stand up to Arnie, Sly Stallone, um, Bruce Willis even, you know, uh, Mel Gibson. For me, he he is that second tier. Now, I'd love to know if there's people out there who will genuinely without any irony at all, consider Chuck Norris to be, you know, in that A-list group and, and you know, hold up any of these moves or, or even just a single fight scene. It must be a fight scene on YouTube or something. Show me where it, it looks fantastic. You know, we, we did Bloodsport a little while back, didn't we? And some of those fight scenes look amazing. Utterly impractical. Right, if you're doing jumping high yep. spinning kicks and everything, well, you're wasting a huge amount of energy, and probably, you know, while you've got your back turned, we'll get your ass handed to you. So, I do believe that Chuck is is nails. I do believe, you know, he would hold his own against, you know, all of those other action heroes and probably kick the ass of all of them. I'm just saying that for me, on camera, it just doesn't look good at all, and so. And, and ignoring the fact, you know, these are malnutrition guys. Where is he getting his protein and energy from? You know, and the ability to hang himself upside down in that wooden, uh, on that wooden bridge. You know, you wouldn't have the energy for that. It's just simple, simple human biology stuff. So I think, yeah, the the motivation for the Vietnamese was ridiculous. Uh, the fight scenes were terrible. The acting was mainly from Chuck. You know, some of his entourage were okay. Um, uh, Yin, I mean, he's been in so many different movies, hasn't he? And he put in a solid performance and did the best with the shit lines that he was given. But ultimately, Chris, I can't... It, it's not something that... I would say should never be seen. I think there's some individual scenes that that I absolutely remember and I think are quite good. The rat scene is probably the one most people remember, but certainly holding the guys up to the tree, both the fake out and where they actually shoot the the Aussie guy, I absolutely remember those moments and and they stick out for me and are iconic. So for that, I'm not going to send it to Dantooine, but it is a hell's kitchen. I will probably go a number of years without watching this and not feel like I've missed out there are so many more movies that i'll watch before this one i'm not sure i'll watch this one again in my lifetime now how about yourself chris (laughs) i'm sorry but i'm not being as polite i I, like i said i go watch this and i'm thinking as we're talking about I'm reviewing it, things come back to you. I remember avoiding watching this a lot when we had, you know, so my granddad had it on video and he'd be like, because he knew we loved like martial arts films and we'd watch loads of Chuck Norris stuff. And he would say to us, should we put that Chuck Norris film on? And and I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh God, it's at the time. You know, I have to go and play football or something. Cause obviously we're going back 30 odd years. I do remember avoiding it, thinking it was always dark and dingy type mm-hmm. of movie. As much as, I've seen it loads of times. I, I, it has come back to me, so I'm sort of slightly contradicting myself, I suppose, from the start of the show. But, yeah, it's not a good movie. And I think it sounds daft, but Chuck Norris is just terrible, isn't it? He's, he's not... 
he's not got an acting range. He just needs to have a gun in his hand and just to be going from scene to scene, kicking ass, and yeah. that's it. That's that is his forte. This sort of uh, he's he's trying what he's trying to do. He's trying to go for some sort of award or something for his acting. He's trying to be mean and moody. He's trying to be um, just something that he's not. And I just don't think he's ever had that in his arsenal. And it is really, even now, it's like, you'd watch this first and you said it's a hard watch. And I was thinking, oh, I, I remember it was all right. And it's terrible. An hour into the movie and I was like, holy fuck. And I didn't watch it in two settings. I did go all the way through because it, it is only 90 minutes. But the plot, everything is just poor. It's poorly executed. The, the the choreography of fighting is fucking woeful. It's absolutely terrible. And also, there's just so many racial stereotypes through the whole movie. It's unbelievable. But um, yeah, he's going to Dantooine Day. I'm sorry, I can't be that forgiving. Even with, even with chucking it, I can't. It's just oh, shit. you know what, Chris? I was thinking I was setting myself up for quite a lot of abuse, but. Uh... Saying it should be obliterated and never watched again. Oof. I think they're going to go for you more. <laughs> I get it anyway, don't I? So, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's good. And uh, again, get back in touch with us. Let us know. You know, if you if you watch this recently and you do think it stands up, let us know. What is it you like about it? You know, and and. Are we just not seeing something? Or this this love for Chuck Norris, is, is it all with irony? You know, a little bit, you know, Steven Seagal could almost be uh, held in the same esteem. All right, I'm, I'm being a bit silly yeah, there. there but... <laughs> <laughs> Steven Seagal hair dye might be living in the, the, the oh thing is his hair. What you mean, like, <laughs> soot? <laughs> Put it this way, that's why he's good at Aikido, because as soon as someone touches him, they slide off him because all these fucking hair dye falls on him. That, that black dubbing he has in his head is horrendous, <laughs> Steven Seagal. It's horrendous. <laughs> Unbelievable. But no, great episode, Dave. And uh, yeah, guys, we've had so much fun these last few weeks with what we've been reviewing. We've had really good time. And thanks to all our Patreons who are you know, uh, following us, supporting the podcast, uh, giving us some good suggestions. We've got some crackers coming up. And everyone who listens, who's on Twitter and all of the social media stuff, because we have, honestly, when we release anything on the VHS, we get such good uh, conversations going, don't we, Dave? Some real funny stuff. And people are not afraid to have a go at me, which I love. <laughs> They're always shitting on me. You seem to get away pretty well, Dave, but I just get loads of abuse. I love it. I love it. No, it's absolutely fantastic. And, of course, today was brought to us by... Brought to you by our executive producers. So we've got Brent across at the Cinema Chat podcast. We've got Tony at the Indie Comics Spotlight on the Comics in Motion podcast. And we also have John Hammond as well. So thanks to you guys. Really appreciate your support. And if, like those guys, you want to jump on our Patreon, you can get us at patreon.com forward slash VHS Strikes Back. Or is it the VHS Strikes Back, Chris? Should really know. I think it's VHS Strikes Back. No, it's VHS strikes back. There we go. You can tell I go there <laughs> You'll very, find very anyway. often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's in, it's in the links to this show as well. So if, you do, if you're not sure, just follow the link. It's on the uh, information for this. And also, as always, get following us on Twitter, guys, which I'm probably sure you already are, but we're at VHS strikes back. And if you want to email us, the VHS strikes back at gmail.com. So great awesome. stuff, Dave. So it's a bit of a longer one today, but it needed to be fucking dealt and with. We need, I'm sorry. I, I do. I'm not sure about completing the trilogy, or maybe if we get to like 500 episodes, maybe we will. But 
I think we should watch the first one because, like I say, the, the reason they'd swapped them around was because they saw the first one as being a much better movie. So I'm, I'm intrigued as to how that one's going to compare with this second one because I, I was I was expecting to have that warm, fuzzy feeling like I've just watched a good action movie after watching this one. I, I do feel a, a little bit hollow with that. But what is it we'll say, Chris? So next week, we've got a really special episode coming up. So one of our patrons is taking that producer mantle. So Brent across at the Cinema Chat podcast, he's going to come on with us. And we're going to review Scream 2, Chris. Now, I do believe you, you'd you seen this at the cinema as well. I'd seen it. And so I think let's go ahead and listen to that trailer. Let's go. Sydney, remember me? What do you want? It's time, girlfriend. Don't you know history repeats itself? Last night, two college students were brutally murdered. Police are everywhere. The girl was stabbed seven times. Ouch! Hi, Gail Weathers, author of The Woodsboro Murders. She's an opportunist. Be kind, she saved our lives. Yeah, I know, I read all about it in the book. I can't wait to see the movie. to do if there is some freaked out psycho they're probably already in your life okay, so you just want to sit here and, and wait to see who drops next the way i see it someone's out to make a sequel so it's our job to observe the rules of the sequel number one the body count is always bigger number two the death scenes are always much more elaborate how do we find the killer randy that's what i want to know well let's look at the suspects anything am i it's him he can see us do you want to die tonight is that the best you can do why not set your goals higher huh you want to be one of the big boys manson bundy oj Girls, absolutely frightening. So, yeah, Dave, great movie. I said Scream series is probably one of the only horror series that I actually like, so I am really looking forward to getting into that, especially with Brent on as well. He's probably may call me out, but I do remember Scream 2 being better than the first one, so we'll see how that pans out next week. And also, guys, is there anything? You know, we're giving you a bit of a heads up there. Get watching it if you get a chance, and then hopefully this uh, accompanies it quite quite well. But there is a lot of people listening to the podcast, Dave, who don't really watch a lot of the stuff until <laughs> afterwards because they sort of like to know what we think of it. So, uh, yeah, it's all great stuff. Some, so some anyway, to do with some of our movie choices as well. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more off the yeah. beaten track, but you know. Well, we, yeah, with you true because we've already had messages today from uh, Glenn and that he's watching Jim Carter. He's listening to our Jim Carter one with stuff about <laughs> Eat My Dust, <laughs> Hawk the Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Unbelievable. Anyway, I'll see you next time. And as Colonel Braddock would say, Chris, the game's over. Goodbye. <laughs> 
That was better than Chuck, Dave. See you next time. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'll be back. That's not. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Wax on, wax off. Go for it. Well, here we go. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't nothing. You must be crazy or something. I'm crazy. You're just a stupid. Yeah, maybe you're crazy. I ain't breathing heavy. He's a fool. He's stupid. I see you in six months.